0: The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we review Austin's season-ending loss in Los Angeles, look forward to 2023, and cover a little bit of Austin FC news. And so you are not probably used to me doing the opening. I'm Jeremiah Bentley, Landon Cothams a little bit under the weather, and I'm happily joined. Well, I don't know if happily, but I am joined by Kevin Morris for the show. How are you doing, Kevin?
1: Uh yeah. I mean, I think last time I was on after a bad loss, and I'm really happy that I'm <laughs> on again after another bad loss. All right. So we should we should bring you back on after a win. Is that what is that what we're
0: <laughs> trying to trying to bring back?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess I just have such a bubbly personality. You guys want me on whenever we lose. I appreciate it. No matter what.
0: So like let's so let's start. Like, where did you watch the game? What was your what was your game day experience for
1: this one? Um, I watched the game um with some friends from pickup, like pickup soccer at Mueller. Um just watched a, a little uh, brewery down in Mueller, um, small group. Uh it was it was fun until it wasn't, you know. So about <laughs> how long was it fun Yeah, Yeah, that's the what game. I was say. <laughs> Oh yeah, none of it was very fun for very long. I went to Hop Squad
0: and watched it with like, a bunch of people who were ready to like blow the roof off the building and then never had the
1: opportunity to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Just just like a balloon deflating.
0: Oh, it was so sad. And then the other thing is so so we're recording this on Halloween. And do you do you have like a Halloween tradition, either now or as a child? Like what what what's your thing for this holiday?
1: Um, my wife and I just watch horror movies the entire month. And that's a, that's our tradition. And then, uh, we used to give out candy, of course, on the night, um, to all the kids in the neighborhood, but in our new neighborhood, there are no trick-or-treaters. So our new tradition is just to leave a bunch of candy by the door that I never give out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so do you, do you have any recent horror movie recommendations? Like I've gone through all the classics, right? Like I watched all the, I watched all the Not on Elm Streets and all the Halloweens. Leading up to this, and I feel like it's very traditional, but like I, I don't, I love horror movies, and I don't find new ones. Do you have something that you would like think people should watch now?
1: Uh, definitely. I mean, the most horrifying thing I've watched recently was LAFC versus Austin oh, FC. Oh, right, yeah. But and Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix is really good. I'm not really that into one. movies. It's my wife. I, I just indulge her. She
0: loves them. She loves them. All right. So you you had to find something to connect with in horror movies or what you decided it would be. Yeah.
1: I'm open-minded. I like anything.
0: That's great. Well, let's talk about your least or most favorite horror movie of recent weeks. (laughs) Uh, So it's the Austin LAFC match. Going into the game. Wow. I just like read your Twitter feed and love it. So I I don't feel like I need to explain the nerves to you. But obviously, LAFC was the overwhelming favorite, I think. Was like seventy five percent or something. Likely that they were going to win, yeah. according to everybody. Um, the question that keeps coming up is like, is how hard is it to beat a team three times in a year? Which I feel like yeah, you read something a, about, and it's like I want to, I want to get your perspective on it. Other than just like basic math, like obviously it's hard to beat anybody three times right. a year. But like, uh, like, 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 talk to me about how you feel about that
1: lightning doesn't strike thrice. I kept saying, um, should be the new saying, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, you know, we, it it just seemed, I I don't know what the probability of it was, right. I'm sure there are you know, um, complicated statistical models that could have told us. Um, but every time that Austin played LAFC, LAFC was the favorite. And I think for a good reason, you know, I think the, uh, national, media uh underrated Austin FC you know in the context of the whole league, but uh they rated LAFC correctly the whole time. You know, LAFC was the best team in the conference. So we beat them twice, you know, not we weren't expected to win. Um so the probability that a team can do that three times in one season. It just doesn't seem that likely. That's why the, I kind of always wanted, um, e- even though um, Galaxy had beaten us twice this season, that was kind of actually why I wanted to play the, the LA Galaxy. Like I figured if we played them in the conference final um, and they had beaten us twi- this, twice this season, we played them at home, I, I think we had a pretty good chance. Um, but I just didn't see how we could do it three times in one season. If we did, it would have been pretty incredible. Yeah, it would have been
0: I mean, was, this was a dream season anyhow, I think. Right. Like what what were your oh, what, yeah. what were your expectations going into this year? And how did it
1: and how, how did this meet or exceed those? I think we really have to go back and think about where we were to start the season, right? Like like just how bad we were last season. Um and you know, uh, my expectation was <laughs> or the standard I wanted us to set was playoffs. If we make the playoffs, that's a successful season. Second year to be a playoff team is good. You know, it's part of uh, a building process that can take many years. Um, So to be second in the regular season and for a time competing for the supporters shield, like a good stretch. And then to also make it to the conference final. I mean, I think that's, an incredible season. I, I Fundamentally, we should be really happy with what just happened this season.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably a, like an opinion that nobody had on Sunday, like <laughs> right after the match. Yeah. But I feel like, it's, you know, today I've seen a lot of that. I feel like I've seen a lot of that on Twitter and Reddit. It's just like, we should all appreciate it. I think it's really, it's really positive and good out of the fan base. Cause like soccer fans are not necessarily most rational or, <laughs> You know, like thoughtful people in the world, but like it seems like universally the Austin FC fan base understands how we outperformed expectations this year. And, and I kind of, I kind of love to see that.
1: Yeah. I think we, um, we appreciate how special it is to have a professional team in our city. Um, I think that's part of it. And for me, I mean, I've said this before, you know, I'm, I'm like 41. And my entire life i wanted a professional soccer team somewhere nearby so for me i genuinely just feel grateful to have this thing and go watch professionals play soccer uh and have that communal experience so just on a very fundamental basis with me i'm always just entirely grateful and just kind of happy to be here um so then to also have the team perform well this season was just incredible
0: yeah like to be to be good is is a bonus so like (laughs) <laughs> so going into this, yeah. like what did you expect to see out of Austin, like lineup wise, you know, tactics wise, like how do we match up against LFC? We've obviously done it in two different ways with two different lineups with success. I mean, some of which is to our like some of which is to our benefit and some of which is to um, Los Angeles' detriment, like not having Elias Sanchez in the last match. But like, what, what were you thinking? Yeah, like go, going into this week or going into yesterday? How did you feel about this? And what do you think you would see out of the match?
1: I was pretty much with Landon on the expectations for how we would line up. I thought there was a chance that Wolf would start Rigoni, Um even though I, I can't quite understand the reasoning behind it um, because I, I had a feeling that he was wanting to line up the same way as we did against Dallas because, um, like, Dallas, LAFC was going to press us, and we had some really good success. Um, beating that press, you know, with Musa's physicality. So that's what I was expecting. The thing that worked really well in that game, or, or one of the um, uh, things that worked well, was Musa Jitte. Um, and that he was kind of the key part of it. I don't think um, Finley or Rigoni really played themselves into the starting lineup, and so. Um, I would have just kept Finley uh, because the one thing with uh, when a team is pressing like that, the one thing that you need is an outlet. And one thing that Finley has been very good at all season is staying, you know, off the fullback and, and it's his positional play has been really, really good. And I think that that maybe was part of the issue, but but we can get into that. So um, fundamentally I was just, um, not surprised at all by our lineup. Um, I think after the fact, there were some things that were pretty clear that didn't work out too well about it.
0: Well, yes, yeah, there's there's, pl- there's plenty of things that actually didn't work out and, and, <laughs> in, in, in many ways. You know about that. And I guess, like, number one thing being... I mean, before we get into game action, like the, like the midfield, like LAFC's midfield just, like, crushed our midfield. Yeah,
1: yeah cefuentes Acosta and ilier um absolutely the boss of the game there's there's no other way to describe it um but I think that was a tactical thing um I mean do we want to get it just get yeah get let's into get into, that into it right yeah now? let's get into it okay so I mean the first ten minutes we played okay right um I think we had some chances we had this one outlet pass uh that found Juriusi, um headed it down to Gite. You know, the ball ended up playing wide to Fagundes, hit overlapping Galler and almost was a play. And this was like, I can't even remember, it was maybe the, the fourth minute or something. We had something there. Um, slowly, LAFC started to figure out exactly how to press us. Um, they were, if, if you watch the first 10 minutes, they were a little bit uncoordinated with the pressing. And then as they figured it out, um, they just put us in a vice and that vice was basically, you know, they had the front three, um, press across our line. Um, and then they had a and Splintas come up with them. And usually they would shadow Danny or, uh, Alex ring, um, for outlet passes. And Ilya would just kind of hover in the back, ready to, to vacuum up anything. And so what happened was um we weren't able to pass it out of the back. So they wanted to play it long. And here is where I think, in retrospect, um, doing the same thing that worked against Dallas was maybe not a good idea. I think that Torundalo and LAFC knew that we were gonna do that. I mean, you know, you guys said it on the pod last week. I thought we were gonna keep the same lineup and go with the same tactics. And I think LAFC knew it and they were like, you know what? They're not going to try to beat us with speed across the back line. Um, they're going to use Gita, um as a focal point if they can't pass it out of the press. And so we're going to put Chiellini, you know, one of the greatest center backs um, in the world over the past decade plus, and we're just going to have Chiellini Gta out of the game. And that's what he did in the first half. Um, if you watch the, the ball, like, Chiellini just bossed GT that game. I mean, he's old, but he's big, he's tall, he's strong, and he's really, uh, I can't swear, he's really smart. <laughs> it's funny. It's like, um,
0: I, I i didn't like, I did not realize like how not tall GT was until watching him against Jite, G- <laughs> To watching him against Chiellini. It's like, what is, this? like, we can't help that. It's like, you talked about this. I felt the same way. Like, early on, we had some space and possession and then in they just like adjust it. They seem to adjust on the fly. Like is that is that chirundalo? Is it like the fact that they have so many players who are just like aware of like movement in the situation. They can do that. But like LAFC seem to adjust on the fly on the field. And the way that Austin usually does it until like we have a break or or whatever. <laughs> like how uh, how does that happen?
1: That's yeah, that's a good question. Um I don't know. I I feel like it probably um, was just a lack of coordination on the field. I can't imagine that their game plan, all of their prep, they didn't plan how to how to press. But that being said, it's possible that maybe Ring um, played deeper than they were expecting, I guess. Um, either way, there is this shot in the game where it's like the 12th minute and Mark Dos Santos, the assistant coach for LAFC is in a very, intense conversation with Steve Trandolo talking something tactical and maybe that was what it was. Um, or maybe Carlos Vela, you know, a veteran, um, one of the best players in the league, um, who was looking pretty frustrated with depressing. Um, maybe he figured it out and just yelled at the guys. He's like, we're going to do you this. Know, yelled at Acosta and Ciflentes and is like, Hey, Watch your man. Yeah.
0: We're gonna do this now. We're done. We're done with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at least the first LAFC goal is a uh, uh, Chicho Rongo goal off a corner. There was this like it, but it comes out of this like weird moment where stuvers a little bit outside of his box and over his skis, and like I feel like we were maybe lucky to not have the goal scored earlier than that until it leads up to the corner. Yeah.
1: Yeah, LAFC used like their their front three were just making these uh, bombing runs across the back line constantly, and their fullbacks or center backs kept pinging it up, and they just came up with the ball. We couldn't handle those runs. Um, it it kind of showed the difference between, like for instance, what Rigoni was doing. Or Gite. Um, you know, Jite is just kind of standing still in the middle and they've got Vela going across the back line, Buanga going across the back line, Arango coming back to make space. They've got all this movement going on in their front three. And then like over and over, they just kept getting in on goal. And you have Stuver, uh, it ends up playing pretty high. Like he he, he keeps challenging. Like he had this uh, uh, pretty early on, like this crazy knee save like out of the box. I don't know if you remember that. Um, but yeah, so the corner that they scored off of was one of those plays, exactly that. Uh, I think it was Buanga, right? Um, oh, who led to that? Really yeah. Danger- yeah, he was. Yeah. He, he got in a really dangerous position and hit the corner. And and then, you know, that, and then Arango's being marked by Jite for some reason. Yeah. And just totally outsmart. Yeah. Why is Jite marking? their striker i mean i know he's not the tallest guy in the field but he's the guy that of all the guys out there that you would expect to be the cleverest with his movement in the box and you can see him just um he kind of just fakes gta out like he, he's kind of he walks casually forward and then suddenly darts for the ball and you know it's not the this is not um really elite stuff but it was enough to trick gta and get get him open for a half second and he won the ball
0: yeah, so it, Yeah, it worked. It worked for them, and then so, so it was at Hop Squad, and we all thought like, okay, we have them where we want them now, right? We're behind, which is where it's, <laughs> yeah. exactly where we need to be. And but for the rest of the half, like nobody. Were there any more dangerous chances for the rest of the first half? We did not obviously generate anything. I think we generated one shot on the first half, which is not on goal, if I remember right. And then I don't think LA yeah. FC got a lot either.
1: Lafc was. Um, I, I mean, the weird thing was that all of those runs that they were creating, um, they were generating shots, but they weren't scoring off of them, right? Um, and actually, if you look at all the goals, um, none of the goals for LaFC actually came off of the um, them like eviscerating us with our passes. Um, Although they did, or they, sorry, they, with their passes.
0: They did that a lot, but this, they didn't lead to goals, right?
1: They didn't lead to goals. They did lead to good opportunities. Like two of the goals came off of corner kicks. Right. That's just the way the game is sometimes Um, it's kind of why I think that we could have stolen a a win here, but we can get back to that later. But um, yeah, just to get back to to your original point, like basically after the first 10, 15 minutes, we, we barely had any opportunities and it was because of what we're talking about. They stifled us with the press um, and then they stifled our options out of the back. It, it, the other thing there is that if you're in a position like that, um, we've done this previously where teams would high press us and we'd manage to scoop the ball out to a fullback who's, who's wide on the wings. And you can do that because there's always an imbalance when people are pressing you, right? Because the keeper, Stuver is involved in the play, right? So um, there, there's usually somewhere on the field, there's an option to hit a pass out. We just couldn't hit those passes, and um i I think we had some pretty poor movement across the front line as well,
0: yeah, and um it's like we go we' yeah, we go to the half down one nil um and we didn't have we did not generate a lot like almost any opportunities and then I think everybody thought about like where the substitutions were gonna come, and were you were you looking for a subset at halftime? Were you surprised that like, I feel like we didn't have any ideas and nothing was working and it was like time to bring in a and Finley and like sort of change the way that we play at the half as opposed to waiting in the second half. Cause it's like, we had, I feel like we had no ideas and it was like, yeah, it's as, as much time as we could have to try to do something different.
1: We, we should be able to do that. I think it's interesting because, um, Chiellini went off at the half too, right? Um, and my my biggest thing is actually less with the halftime subs, because I think fundamentally we just needed to play a different style of soccer. I think basically they had us where they wanted us, right? Um, there's not much we can do tactically because we're going to be chasing the lead, um, which is not the position we want to be away at LAFC, right? If we had managed to keep it 0-0, honestly, I think in a situation like that, um when things just aren't working out when you when you can't pass out of the press when you can't hit the long balls i think we should have just parked the bus um but again we had to chase that goal so it's a little hard to park the bus while chasing a goal um so i don't think the halftime subs mattered too much i mean Ragoni had his worst half i've ever seen him play and i watched (laughs) Ragoni play a lot um as you know um, before he signed with us, it was horrible. He couldn't get on the ball. Um, but I don't think that's entirely him. I think we have to credit LAFC for playing really well. Um, so yeah, the the subs didn't surprise me. The the thing about Chiellini though, coming off, um, I actually think in the first like 10 to 15 minutes of the second half, we were playing a little bit more positively and we were getting more chances um and i think a couple of those came from Jite actually getting on the ball um so i almost would have liked to have seen Jite stay on longer um i mean what did aruti come on and do i i know scored a goal
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it's, it's yeah it's so much it's I, it's exactly the guy was sit next to me i was like oh finally aruti's in and i'm like or not like does does that ball does that <laughs> ball hit gita's head i feel like <laughs> so what do you? Okay, so that's at this. That's the second goal here. It's at uh, what is that? Like sixty-two off Maxi's head. Also off a corner again. A ball delivered by Vela. My question here is like, did Maxi think somebody else was gonna like make contact with the ball? Like it sort of like swerved around and missed a couple people, and then it hit him in the head, and then he like collapsed the field as soon as it bounced off <laughs> of his head because I felt like he knew what was gonna happen. But like what? Why was
1: he there? And what, was, what were you expecting out of that? I, I don't, I, it was, it. that is just one of those plays that ends up being, it's just one of these weird fluke plays. Like I don't even think that you can blame it on him other than just like he wasn't ready for the ball. Like he just misjudged it and it came and he, he tried to adjust and just did it too late. Um, and that's it. Uh I like it's one of those plays you just can't read too much into, you know? It's it's one of those like flu things that happens, but it was
0: so uh, oh you're talking about the shots, like that was gonna we did not have the opportunity to have the RSL like 2021, you know, don't get take a shot on goal <laughs> and take it a penalties. And we definitely didn't there. And we didn't I don't feel like Austin really changed the way they played like past then like did you expect I know there's like a risk there's like an upside and downside to like trying to go super aggressive went down 2-0 but you're also in a elimination game we are down 2 nils. like would you have done something different after that goal other than what Austin did
1: I th- that's a good question um because I don't know that Austin could have done that much different other than just like throw Cascante forward, you know, and have, have him be a second striker up there with a Ruti and just abandon all hope. Um, but <laughs> I think that there was still too much time left for that. And also it's a way against LAFC. Like, I think if we do that, then the game ends like,
0: Like know, 5-0 may- or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, I just don't think I, – Like, I, I think once we reach that stage, when we're 2-0 down against LAFC, unless we get lucky um, – like it, th- this is a very tough um, comeback to make, right? For any team, so it's it's very hard to say like what the tactical adjustments would have been. It's the best team in the league over the course of the season, and they're eighteen and two at home. I think they lost twice at home. Um, so it, it's a tall order to beat them in that case. Yeah,
0: that's a really good point. They go back. They goes back to beating beating any team three times in the season. We are like. Oh, this is the best team in the league. Amber behind. What do you have to do to like to come back? Like pray. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I other option well, is. Well,
1: so but we almost had that moment. Yeah, because there was the penalty. Yeah, error. I was
0: gonna say let's let's go into that. It's like this is the almost at like 67, 68. There was like a penalty that wasn't a penalty uh, with Diego with a ball in the box. Like, what did you <laughs> think about that in the moment?
1: It was, well, first of all, it was a great sequence that got us there, actually. Like, it was a rare, like, good passing sequence. Diego got open, took a slightly bad first touch, and so I think it was his second touch. He's trying to get the ball and win it back. Um, And I can't remember the defender for LAFC, but, you know, he stomped on Diego's foot. Obvious penalty. I mean, they're in the box. Diego is going out, like he's leaving the the area. He's going backwards at the time, but it doesn't matter. He was it's still in the box, the right? Box. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a penalty. And the interesting thing to me is, um, it, so so Landed texted us before the podcast saying about this the the penalty that he didn't think it would. He, he thought the the like it was not likely to have changed the game. And I completely agree. Um, but I do think that there was a possibility that if we scored this, you know, if it was called correctly, we got a penalty, it's now two to one. There is like an emotional and motivational aspect that could be go into the game. And now we're in a situation where it's like, Hey, yeah, let's throw Cascante forward. And if we can nab a goal, um, like another lucky goal, suddenly we're tied and we don't deserve to be, but we're tied. And let's see if now once we're tied, we can park the bus and take them to penalty kicks. Um, I still think that the probable thing is that if we score that penalty, LA still wins. Um, but I don't think you can say that um, – I don't think that excuses the referee at all. I think it was still like, – like you have to view that non-call isolated as its own thing. It was a horrible decision. And those calls affect games. And so I think it, it's a big deal that he got it wrong, even if we deserve to lose.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it's – that goes back to the old uh, Josh Wolf statement about goals changing games, right? Like that goal, absolutely – if it comes up to change the games and it changes the way we play. And I also agree. I think it's maybe a weeby or a Doyle point or whatever. Like, yeah, we're the worst team. We were not the better team on the night, but it gave us the opportunity to steal a game. That we yeah. shouldn't that we, that Maybe we shouldn't have had it, whatever, but that happens a lot, especially that happens in the playoffs in, in Major League Soccer.
1: Um, Undeserving like, teams win all the time from... Unlucky, like like lucky things that happen to them, you know. Yeah, and that was that was the
0: thing that should have happened to Austin. So like that can't be the whole. Saw a lot of like posts on Reddit and Twitter about like blaming the whole outcome of the game on that call. <laughs> That's obviously <laughs> no, not the sorry. case. <laughs> but like, could that game have ch- turned on that? And like, could we have won something we never deserved to win because of that contributing to it? Like, absolutely. And I feel, like, yeah, yeah. I, and I feel like it should have been. And I don't know. You know, once they go to VAR, I don't know how like that doesn't come back other than it's just like, oh, it's it's just MLS things. That's what happens. But I feel like that was was the last, absolutely the last moment where like Austin challenged. Yeah. Um, And I felt like there was going to be any outcome
1: other than what it ultimately was, right? Yeah, once that happened, I mean, yeah. I I think at that point watching live, two drinks in, once the penalty wasn't called, um, I mostly was just chatting with friends yeah. <laughs> about. Uh, Let's talk about next year. <laughs> you know, yeah, about whatever. It's not the game.
0: Well, I got excited because like Felipe came in. I'm like, oh, he's gonna come in and kick some people, like start some shit. Like I didn't expect <laughs> to win, but I felt like like there was gonna be a little shithousing going in, which which I think he did a little bit of. Um, after that, and then like the third goal was just like it, it's a poke, it unassisted. It's like a collective failure on behalf on behalf of everybody. But I feel like Julio showed like the worst part of Julio things there. But like, ultimately, it didn't matter. Like we were already already losing that match.
1: Yeah, and it was such a fluky weird goal as well. Which again is the weird thing about this game. We got totally dominated, but they only scored one really. A legitimate goal for whatever that means. Legitimate's not the best way to say it, but you know, they they scored an own goal and then this this goal that was scored off of a random, fluky bounce. Also, it was created by Diego going in on a slide tackle on the sideline. So that's why it's unassisted, is because I think Fagundes is the one that hits it, trying to win the ball and the ball just pops up. Um, Maybe that's why I had crazy spin on it. And then Ruben uh sees the ball coming. I think he sees Cascante there and just thinks that the ball's trajectory is coming in a certain way that it won't be a problem for Cascante. Um and then the ball just hit, has that crazy bounce. Um Cascante's not fast enough to to make up for it and boom a, a poker scores. And it's such a strange goal. <laughs> it was
0: a strange goal. And that that was it. There was no there's much sadness in mudville for the mighty Casey had struck out <laughs> for people who read baseball poems um so what the, so you were posting these on twitter like let's talk about these passing maps both for oh, austin gosh. and la which i i realized like podcasts are not the the best visual medium but like talk about the way like austin connected or didn't like beyond yeah, so- beyond
1: midfield at all ever <laughs> I, I mean, we, we can describe it pretty clearly, you know, most, so the passing map represents, you know, the volume of the, the passes between the players um, and also their average position on the field. So you're not usually going to have a striker all the way, uh, you know, in goal because the striker is playing all over the field throughout the game. Um, but for in our passing map, we had two guys who, um, in total uh, on the other (laughs) side of the field as an average position. So Jite and Fagundes were the only guys on average across the halfway line. Um, And then the really shocking thing is um, on this map, Rigoni is completely isolated again, also um, not an advanced position on our half with no passes going to him. Um, I think this might be like a bit of a visual bug with how this software works. I, I think it just means that he didn't get enough passes to him to register compared to all the other ones because we know that ragoni got the ball. Um, but visually it still demonstrates just how little he did get the ball and just how little he was connecting with his teammates. And then the other thing is GTA. Only has one line going back to anybody else on the team, and that's Danny Pereira at the six. So let's let's get. So yeah,
0: so it's bad. Let's see is that what we got yeah. out of it. It was kind of bad. Yeah. So who? I think we probably all agree that a lot of people were not great in this match. I think Brad Stuver, despite giving up three goals, like he he had a lot of he had some good saves. He looked really strong, but like who do you? Who do, you, who do you felt like looked positive in the match?
1: <laughs> I don't think anybody looked positive.
0: I know. I was like I, was, I, think,
1: I I think Diego had the probably the best moments for us. I think he's kind of the only guy that was dangerous for us <laughs> at all in the game. I mean, even Druci was pretty much snuffed out.
0: Yeah, I was like looking at the uh, fot mob ratings and like Stuver's the only person who's green which is like a seven or better <laughs> and like Diego and oddly um, Cascante are the closest to that. So I don't know what that means about the way they rate players. Cause I did not feel like Julio covered himself in glory. Um, you mentioned Ragoni, Like, do you think it's a different match if Ragoni doesn't start? If Ethan Finley starts, do we see something, see something else or like it was LAFC. So, so on the front foot and so dominant, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that that's possible. I mean, I, I think that maybe with Finley out there, he does a better job of stretching their back line and providing an outlet. Um, so, so maybe marginally better, and you never know. Like, maybe if you um, perform well at that little margin that kind of overflows and affects every other part of the game. So maybe... Um, but not really. <laughs> I don't think it's too likely. I, I think Finley goes out there. He's just as starved of service as Rigoni is, um, for the most part. I think maybe we get a couple more outlet passes to him, but, um, they, they swarm him and, and snuff out any opportunities that he has as soon as he gets it too.
0: And then, but do do you feel like. He had a bad night, or you think it just LA game it really well? I felt like LA FC's midfield, like obviously clearly dominated Austin's, which contributed a lot to where Rigoni, I'm Rigoni, where Juric was or wasn't. But do you think there's anything else that he could have done to make a difference, or was it just being game planned out of the way the match turned out?
1: Yeah, I think it was mostly just game planning. Um, it, you know what you want from Juric. So in plan. B, our plan B that we switched to when, when we couldn't pass out of the press anymore. You're wanting, um, with Drew, as like kind of a second striker. I, I don't really like calling him that, but in, in that role especially, he's kind of like that. Um, he's playing behind Gita, um for Jite to kind of win the ball and play off of him, right? Um, and that's how we break out of the press. Um, But if is never winning the ball, then (laughs) (laughs) is never getting the ball in that situation. Um, And if Acosta, Fuentes, and Ilie are snuffing us out when we're trying to pass out of the back, you know, snuffing out Girussi as a passing option, he's not going to get on the ball there either. Um, That's probably why Fagundes was the only guy that was getting any opportunities because he was an outlet out wide um he was doing an okay job of holding the line there
0: yeah so okay so it's a bad night all the way around is there any other players you want to talk about or there are moments you want to talk about before we just like put a pin in this season and talk about next year and maybe try to draw some positives out of this i mean i feel like 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 we can talk about that right now like Ultimately, nobody expected Austin FC to be what well, thinks is the thing I read from you today, too. Nobody expected us to finish second in the West, and then nobody expected us to, like, make the Western Conference Final. It's like, ultimately, <laughs> this is a very successful season for this club at our city that we love, and we should probably just, like, reflect on how good that is. Um, yeah. And not worry too much about, like, the fact that... I mean, the final is going to be the two best teams in the league playing against each other, right? So, like, it's... yeah. This is a great
1: year. It was a great year. I think we overperformed expectations, which is awesome. I think that should be celebrated. I don't think that anybody should look down on that, um, which is part of what's so obnoxious of kind of that other narrative. Like, I think it's awesome when a team outperforms expectations, um, especially when they do it playing the way that we played. You know, we played a lot of really exciting games. We played really gutsy games. We came back a lot. Um, so fantastic season. Um, but this game certainly revealed along with, especially down the stretch, um, a lot of places to improve. Right. I I think that we can see, we can see that LA is a deeper team than us, um, better than us one to one at a lot of positions. And I think that that's something to aspire to. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They've also got a bigger pocketbook than us, which might have <laughs> might might be relevant at some point. But let's um, <laughs> let's get into the off season and kind of what it means and what we what we can expect for Austin after the break. So we're just gonna take a break and we'll be right back. He hey, everybody! Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group.
1: This is made possible by Sage Wilson Property Group. So if you or someone you know are in need of Sage Real Advice real estate advice in Austin, you should talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. I love this. You're, doing, you're doing
0: such a good job, nope. Kevin. I'm so happy for you right now. You're killing it. Like who who <laughs> doesn't? Like this market is up, it's down, it's crazy. Who knows? Find Sage Wilson Property Group at SageWilson.com.
1: Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin F.C. FVF is a different kind of personal injury
0: law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education.
1: You can go to fvf.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. And I am the most excited by coming into this with you, Kevin.
0: Let's talk about <laughs> Manscaped. The best in All men's right. grooming. Their products are precision engineered. Tools for your family jewels. Join over six million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. 20% off and free shipping of the code Verity at manscaped.com. Are, are you a manscaper?
1: Uh, I'm not. A- apparently. Would you like I to be? be? Would you like to be?
0: Let's talk. Let's talk. I, yeah, I got it. I got it. Let's talk about the two most important things you can have. One, the Lawn Mower 4.0, a full-service man, man groomer, <laughs> which features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology, and also the, the Weed Whacker, which like can help you trim your nose and ear hair. And the bonus thing I want to add on this one is like, I don't like to manscape in my own house. Cause like I don't want to clog my own drain, so when I travel, so you go to somebody else's yeah, house. Yeah, exactly. When I, when I travel, <laughs> when I travel, I like put a manscape package in my travel bag, and I go to the Marriott, and I like shave all the stuff. It's Marriott's problem and not mine, which I feel like is a good way to do things.
1: Yeah, um, I can't say I have the same habit when I travel necessarily. Um, but I agree, you know, it should be the hotel's problem and not your own. <laughs> not, not your own. If
0: they're not going to give me like uh, linen and cleaning service for three days, that's what they're going to get for me. <laughs> so you can get 20% <laughs> off and free shipping using the code Verde at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code Verde. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, so we talked a little bit about we're back, and we talked a little bit about uh, expectations and reality for Austin. Like, there's no doubt that Austin exceeded everything that people, both locally and nationally, thought about them. So, do you think? Do you think that Austin is positioned to build on the success, or do you think that this, like, this was a little bit of a fluke? They were this good. Like, what's how do you feel about like have like has Austin laid the foundation for future success, or was this like a time and a moment when Triacy like carried a whole team on his back and exceeded expectations, and maybe we shouldn't expect this to happen every year?
1: Well, and yeah, so I don't think we should expect this to happen every year, but. I think for another team it would be this kind of one-off thing but we are lucky in that we have a good sporting director and we have a really good coaching staff and head coach who are building up something um you know who have a really distinct style of play a really distinct philosophy of play um so I think it it's I, I only have um positive expectations for next next season. I don't know if we'll finish second in the West. Um, you can laminate that, I guess. Um, it kind of depends on our off season signings. Um, but that doesn't we don't we don't have to be just finish just as high this next season as we did this season for next season to be successful too. Um I, I think if we see more consistent play, if we see that We don't have to chase um, games as often. Like, we don't go down early. You know, if we just play in a, in a more consistent way um, and we perform really well, then that'll be a good season, too. You mean maybe not like breaking the record for wins, when behind down
0: 2 0 is <laughs> what we should aspire for? Like, I feel like that's probably a good idea. Like, don't, don't go behind 2 0, and you don't have to worry about breaking the record for teams that go behind 2 0
1: feel like that is indeed a good thing to strive for, to not break that record.
0: <laughs> not break it <her> wrong. <laughs> uh, so the finals, just we'll cover a little bit. So they're next Saturday, 3 p.m. Central, um, LAFC versus Philly. And this is something that doesn't happen very often, but it's like actually the two best teams in the league throughout the year are going to play um, in the final. Uh, do you have a feeling about that? Do you have a sense of what, of like, what we're going to see, what people should expect?
1: Um interestingly, uh Philly is one of the best defenses in the league. Um, and LAFC is one of the best offenses. Um, Philly had this stretch uh at the start of the year where they were drawing a lot or like winning, I think like 1-0 a lot, you know, um, not really resounding victories. And then like they just kind of turned a switch halfway through the year and just started beating on people, like all these like six-o wins. Um So these are two – they're the two best teams, and they're two of the most well-rounded teams, naturally. So I'm just really curious if we're going to see a really cagey game or if they're both going to go for it. I have a feeling that Philly is going to play very carefully, though. Um, I I don't think that Philly is – I I think away against LAFC, they're going to be – extremely careful um so no i don't have a feeling i'm rooting for philly though my mom's from philadelphia so i always root for philadelphia when they play
0: yeah go family like philly's gold differential is 46 on the year which is insane
1: (laughs) so not only (laughs) they're just smashed people
0: yeah they they did they picked up a lot of those like killing people like you said like killing people six nil and five nil whatever but um i think they're both like Wait, they, I think they led the league in scoring and in goals allowed. It's their best, they, they are the best offensive and defensive team in the league. So maybe maybe they'll be able to beat LA. I don't know. Um, and one of the things, so Austin won, which qualifies, not that Austin won, but like Philadelphia and LAFC winning qualified Austin for CONCACAF Champions, the Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League. Like, do you think that's a good thing? There's
1: a lot of tournaments. I'm so I am so uh worried about this. Um I think a lot of fans are really excited. Um I just my thing is I don't think that we are good enough to make a deep run in the Champions League um and have a good season. So I I just kind of struggle to see the benefits for us outside of having some really fun and exciting games at Q2 to start the year. Um, if the deeper we go in Concacaf Champions League, the bigger effect it's going to have on the rest of our season. And we saw what happened to Seattle this year—a very good team um, with a really deep academy too. So they've got all these great young players coming up that can fill roles. And because of injuries, um, partially due to game load. Um, because of the Champions League, um, man, they, a really good team didn't even qualify for the playoffs this year. So my thing is, I want the best regular season for us, and I want us to make a deep Concacaf Champions League run when we can. We we can do it. We can do it, yeah. and <laughs> so. I, it seems
0: like next year is the worst year, right? Because we have U.S. Open Cup again, which obviously Austin did not like make a great run of this year. Then so we have Champions League, and then we have. The league and then we have leagues cup also it's so like there's a lot of competitions for a team that's not all that deep so i'm also very worried about that um so it's like a cool thing to be able to say that we did but i hope that we don't throw a lot of resources into doing that i think yeah it's like, i also- just don't want
1: it to mess with our regular season yeah, yeah don't you No, know, to me that's the priority
0: yeah I, I, I agree too. Like we're not like Austin's not deep enough to, to worry about that and, and do anything else. And then the thing we saw is like a group of fans met the team at the airport on the way back, and I wanted to say like, like Greg, our friend and listener, um, had made a because we talked about Maxi and, you know, maybe not having the greatest first touch in the game since his first touch was like a ball off his head into our own goal. <laughs> it's like he made a sign for him uh to tell maxi that we still loved him and then he like got Maxie's jersey um oh, really? yeah, which is re- yeah it was really cool oh that's great and he said it smelled really good apparently Maxie's like a, a, a you know a, a good smelling man which is the report i got on that <laughs>
1: at Austin berksham airport um i i mean i think that's i mean that's really nice to do with that though you know I mean, that's a, that was a nice gesture. That's what that's what those
0: guys need to hear. And I heard, you know, I mean, yeah. not surprisingly, like a lot of them were getting off the plane and like kind of grumpy about how things turned out. And you would expect as professional athletes that they would be that way. But it's also cool that fans met them there and showed showed the, the city's appreciation for this. And I kind of hope we get a chance to do it in a broader way. Because I think we talked about this very early on. Um everybody's very happy about how this season turned out and it's ready to like make sure that everybody associated with the club knows that I think.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I one thing that's, that's always weird to me about fan discourse, especially on the internet, but um also talking about Philly sports. Um, it, you know, there are fans that'll boo their own players. Um, it's interesting how fans think that their displeasure towards players and, and letting the players know that is gonna improve how they play. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, I I don't buy into that at all. Um, you know, I I think the more you make a player wanna play for you by by you know showing them you love them as a fan, probably the better they're gonna play for you.
0: Yeah. Well, that was the scenario of last year, right? Like the the whole, you know. Uh, Like the Austin FC narrative last year was like, why, like, why are we cheering for these guys? And you know, it's like if we just booed harder at them, suddenly they would decide (laughs) to play better, which is very stupid. I think it's like ultimately (laughs) the outcome.
1: Yeah, it's really it's. I think for fans who feel powerless to affect their team and the outcomes, it's it's one way for them to to kind of hope that they're able to do so, you know. Um, but it, just show the guys some love. I think that's great.
0: I think, I think it is great. So let's get a little bit. We'll probably we're going to get deeper into this over the next few weeks. But the off-season calendar a little bit is coming up. So the MLS trade window opens on November seventh. The expansion draft is on November eleventh, and Austin will. So St. Louis City, all in caps, I think SC is going to be the team selecting it. Austin will not be able, not have a player that can be selected, right? Because McKenzie Gaines went to Charlotte, I think. Is that right?
1: Oh, that is a... I'm actually think, not sure. So if, if you had a player in the previous draft, I think, I think you are not eligible yeah, on the I, next time.
0: Yeah, I think if you had a player in the previous, previous draft, you get to sit that out. So because McKenzie Gaines went to Charlotte, Austin does not have the... Doesn't have to worry about losing anybody to that.
1: Oh, that's great. I actually didn't know that.
0: And then November 14th, there's the deadline for player option declines. 16th is the Open of Free Agency. And the December 21st is the 2023 Super Draft. Austin will not be selecting nearly as highly as we have in the past. But (laughs) we seem to have done a pretty good job in the Super Draft in the first two years. Like how How do you feel about how Austin's done?
1: Oh we've done yeah really well in the super draft. Um I'm one of those people that thinks the super draft is uh really useful. Um it's a way to get really good cheap prospects, especially defensive prospects. Like a lot of good center backs come out of the super draft. Um I mean you had a guy like Danny Pereira. Um like like that's an incredible draft pick. So The thing that's interesting about the super draft is a lot of teams don't care about it. And so it's possible to trade for some pretty good spots and steal some players. Um, And they're happy to do it because they, they just don't value the draft Uh, teams with academies, you know, for instance, with really developed academies just aren't going to bother with the super draft. So we still have an opportunity, you know, we could, we could put together some trade and, for a little allocation money or something and, and trade up and maybe grab somebody. So how do you feel about Kip Keller as a super draft pick? Like he was, Kip was
0: happy for him to fall to us. I feel like he's developed kind of in line with what you expect out of a super draft guy who had a lot of potential, but I feel like there are a lot, there's also a lot of people who are disappointed to not see more of him. But I mean, I think he's like exactly what you expect. Like what you should expect as a good team out of a player that may have a lot of potential in the super draft.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, especially playing at that position, like that's not a position where you can just throw him on, um, very often and just not have to worry too much if he messes up. Um, you know, I, I that first game against LAFC, it was his play that, um, they called the penalty on. Right. Uh, and it was a pretty bad challenge, a, like pretty reckless challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not surprising. He didn't get more minutes. Um, I just, I'm a little disappointed because I see a lot of potential in him. I think he's a really, uh, smart player His passing is good. Um, he's just a little rash with his tackling and his positioning sometimes can be questionable. So the main thing to me is like, the main question is, so, next season, we're going to have an MLS next pro team. Are we going to see, do we, does Wolf see enough opportunities for Keller to play with the first team? Because if not, he needs to go play with that team. Like, he needs minutes is the main thing. Either that or alone to a USL team, something.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. I feel
1: what's, we could, we go and
0: make the Walker Zimmerman comparison. Like, Walker Zimmerman, I think it was, it was his third year before he saw like significant minutes in. I think in Dallas and I like played about he Like he played about the same amount of minutes as Kip did in the first year. So it'd be yeah, good for Kip yeah. to have like a place to develop and play and, and make a difference. I agree with that. And so when, when it comes to free agency, so as of the end of July, our players who are going to be free agents, let's we'll go through them all. And I'm going to ask you like, who you want to keep or who you're <laughs> happy to see go. Like in order of how have them posted alphabetical and also how they are in the show outline. Um so Danny Houston
1: happy to see go.
0: <laughs> happy to see him go. On $716,000, absolutely happy to see him go.
1: Too much money. Give that money to Diego.
0: <laughs> I Yes, we should do that. <laughs> okay, Hector Jimenez.
1: Uh let him go. Let him go. He, he's he's getting up there in age. Um and I think this season Nick Lena just played him out of the starting lineup. He didn't hardly pretty... play at all this
0: year, right? Like, you think you could get somebody who's different. Like, he was kind of a team dad in the first year. And I feel like we've yeah. also found guys who can, like, fill that slot and replace him. So I agree with that. All right. Felipe.
1: Oh, man. Felipe is so cheap. Just keep him off. And he's, yeah, he's, he's like, I mean, if if he's willing to keep that same salary, it's like eighty four thousand. Yeah, that's crazy <laughs> it's like for a professional soccer player. That's like nothing. That's crazy.
0: I agree with that. All right, I think the next one. I I do believe that we pick up the option, and I don't think this is still true. But Brad Stuver. Yeah, I think
1: I think Brad Stuver. We would want to. You, keep. you may, yeah. That guy seems okay. I'm gonna make that gutsy call right <laughs> there. A, yeah, it's a tough one. The, the, this one is, um,
0: he makes a lot of money, but Andrew Tarbell.
1: Yeah, I would. Um, I It's hard to say, right? Because we don't know how good Damien Loss is as a backup. So we need a backup keeper. And the total amount that we're spending on that position there is not crazy. It's like 500K for the position total. Um, so if we lose Tarbell, who is our backup? If, if Damian Loss could do it, if, if they've seen enough in training that they think he's good enough, then sure. He can be our backup. But then we also need that, that third keeper as well. So is that Pulisic? I don't know. Um, but that, that's like the, the difficult part of that decision. But the other thing is like Tarbell probably wants to go. So he probably doesn't want the club to pick up the option.
0: Yeah. He probably wants to play. Right. I mean, I assume at this point in his career, he, 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 he believes that he needs significant game time and I, he's obviously not gonna get it here. So I guess to um to take this into a close, like where would you prioritize off season
1: spending given where we are? So in in terms of like a group of positions defense in terms of individual positions specifically striker and right center back are the two positions I think are the most in need of change.
0: So, okay. So uh, on the fullbacks, what would you, which of our fullbacks do you most want to replace?
1: (laughs) I don't want, I, I don't know that I really want to replace either of them. Um, I like them both. They don't listen. It's Um, fine.
0: I mean, John Gallagher (laughs) might, but don't, don't let that, don't let that like
1: sway you. Um, Yeah. So man, that's a tough one. I would say Lima probably over Gallagher. Yeah. The I I really believe so. Gallagher's offensive contributions weren't that good this season for a left back in a system that's designed for the fullbacks to get forward and contribute really meaningfully in the attack. But I his side was the most dangerous with with Diego and Drewsi out there, and I think that um Gallagher's speed and his ability to cover allowed. Um, that side to be a lot more open and just provided more cover for Ferdundis and Drewcy Drew, out there. So I yeah, I would keep Galhard Lima. Um things never fully clicked that well on that side. Um it, it, there were I, th- I think um Finley and Lima did okay together. Um I think Lima and Ragoni do not click at all. Um I, I don't See them really combining meaningfully. I think, um, I think we talked. I talked about this on the last show when we talked about Rodoni. He needs somebody. He's cutting in all the time on his left foot. Um, he needs a fullback that's going to overlap and take that wide position. Um, and Lima doesn't really like to do that. Lima likes to cut it to go inside a lot. Um, that's where he takes all of his ten thousand shots every season. It's like from that position um, on the inside channel. Um, so I just, it's like, but the thing is with those two positions, those are two of the cheapest positions on the team. So I think probably have to do a deep dive at some point and try to figure out where we're spending money and, and how we're getting like, like how close we are to the salary cap and all that. So the thing is with those two positions, if you're at risk of going over the salary cap, you can you could keep those two positions because they're like the highest value for what you pay on the field. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it, yeah. It. I mean, you have to find. That's the thing with salary cap league. It's like you have to find a value somewhere. You have to figure yeah. out what the best the best way you can deploy it is. But like, and to your point on like the nine, which is that I think probably the position that everybody agrees we need to fill. Like Danny Houston's contract opens up a lot of opportunity and. You know, I think Maxi was so good early in the year and just... And then, you know, you get... He just had a Maxi year, right? He was, like, really good early on. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, in the last 10 games, he scored no goals. He just disappeared. And it's like, you just have to kind of know that's what you're going to... That's what you're going to get out of him, which, like, Austin needs something better about. And like, do you think... I mean, GT seems like a multi-year project. I don't feel like you can rely on him even next year to, um like, step in and, like... Anchor that position. Um, I don't know. Do you have a different opinion on that?
1: Not really. Um, there were moments in some of the games towards the end of the season where Gta really combined well with Drew UC and seemed to be really active moving off the ball. The thing is that he's inconsistent. And then also a lot of times he's still does not read plays and move that well. Um, there's a play in the, in the game uh, on Sunday where um Dries, had the ball, he's running at goal. And GTA reads the run a little bit too late. Um, and by the time he sees it and starts to run, no passes available Um there. There's probably a half dozen of those that happen every game with GTA Um, so, the hope was that he'd just kind of learn that and get better at it doesn't i don't know he's still too inconsistent there and then Aruti is the, the reality is you know uh, when we talk about x g and actual goals you know and and all of that, I think that Aruti is the one position on the team where that really was um a problem that kind of papered up some some bigger issues. Um, Ruti was one of the guys going way over his XG, right? So that means that Ruti is hitting some golazos right? Like some worldies. Um, And he couldn't keep that up. And so that's why he dried out at the end of the season. Remember that goal against San Jose where it was like from like 30, 35 yards out? <laughs> yeah, it was probably the longest goal. I think, I think it
0: was the longest goal that Austin scored was that one. And it's yeah. just yeah, right. I agree with that. It's such a such a fortunate chance. So I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting off season. And to your point, like it all comes down to how much money. How much money do we have left to like <laughs> yeah. to do these things and like try to make a difference? And I don't. I don't know what that is. And Sean Rubio knows he will never tell us. So there's also <laughs> that.
1: I think we can probably. Um figure some things out. It'll it'll just need more research than was put into this show. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Is there anybody else you want to talk about before we close it out? Uh, I don't think so. We already we already said it amazing season. Everybody should feel well I can't tell you how to feel but I feel really proud and happy. No, you could you can tell Um, everybody how to feel you should be you should feel happy. Like if you if you yeah if you're
0: disappointed about how the season turned out and there's something wrong with you. Like, I'll, Come I'll,
1: talk to me. You know, if you're <laughs> disappointed, we need to have a conversation. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. All right. Let's well, so remember to, everybody to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It helps our girl audience and expose more people to Austin FC. If you want to continue the soccer conversation, check us out on Twitter. Poor Landon, whose mouth doesn't work anymore. At LVHero87, me at Bentley ATX underscore ATX. And Kevin, you talk about things. What do you talk about
1: on Twitter? What do I talk about on Twitter? Just stupid soccer stuff. Just super, and you can find me at Soccer Alt. And
0: you're going to be like really into super stupid soccer stuff, rolling into the World Cup, right?
1: Um. Yeah, man. I need a. I need a break. Um, because the World Cup is going to ruin me, so maybe <laughs> I won't be tweeting as much stupid soccer stuff um, for the next couple of weeks. But then once the World Cup starts, I won't be able to help myself.
0: I love it. I can't wait for it. So Hugh, please also sign up for the Patreon. Visit the Striker website, which has been really good this week because Striker is both in Austin and LA. So LA, so there's the LA writer that will be covering the final. You can get 30% off on a discount at Moon Tower 22, capital M, Moon Tower 22. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer. Hopefully, we will be back. We're going to take a more comprehensive look back at the season and cover all the other offset season news that comes up. Until then, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And I'm Kevin Morris. And I will catch you next time. no
1: one is around. For Ooh. nothing, so you never. La gente...
0: Oh my God!